0: See you this morning, and, um, and welcome um, to, to Light and Life here in St. Austell. And recently we've been taking some time talking together about the idea of freedom. Um, and it's an attractive word, isn't it? Uh, just saying the word freedom. you know, it's, it's a word which captures so much of what we, we long for deep down, whether it be freedom from something, So freedom from something like fear or sickness or tiredness from life or abuse or temptation or debt, or whether it be freedom to something and freedom for something. You know, freedom to express ourselves, freedom to be comfortable and confident as ourselves, freedom to love people, freedom to stand up for people, freedom to be fully who God made us to be and to begin to enjoy life to the full as God always intended it for us. No, and, and so we, we began to talk about um, talking about how freedom is available, how God has acted, how he has reached out to us, how he's broken into our lives in order to set us free. And we're going to be celebrating how Jesus came and, and he died on the cross for us later on as we share in communion so that we could be set free, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a, a new start. No, but the amazing thing is that God doesn't stop with just setting us free his heart is that we would then learn and then we would then grow to begin to enjoy life and the freedom which is on offer. That we would begin to learn and to grow to be a people who are living free. And when we begin to talk about what that looks like over the last couple of weeks. And if you've missed those messages for whatever reason, then encourage you to go onto the website uh, where you can catch up with what it is that we've been talking about so far. You know, but this morning, as I, as I think back over my own life, And as I think back over what other people have shared with me of of their lives um, over over the years and years, there's one shared experience that has come up again and again that in one way or another holds so many people back and stops them from enjoying life living free. Maybe it's something that you can relate to. And you won't always put this word to it, but in one way or another it boils down to this. It's worry. It's worry. It's fear, it's insecurity, it's anxiety, which are just different expressions of worry. Whether it be worry about our circumstances and and how we're going to cope, or worry about our identity and and our popularity and how people see us and how we fit in. Or whether it be worry about our relationships or our finances or uh, about our retirement plan or our health or our children. You know, there are so many things in life that it's easy to worry about, aren't there? You know, worry is something that affects all of us. So, wouldn't you love to know how to live life free from worry? Yeah, I'd love to know how to do that. Well, we've got an opportunity this morning. We're going to be a fly on the wall of a counselling session. I have a lady um, who goes in and she's afraid of being buried alive. And this is a very real fear for her. It is causing her to worry and that worry is stopping her from sleeping and it's having such an effect on her life that she's finally decided that she needs some outside help and she's gone to see a counselor. So why don't we watch the session? We'll be a fly on the wall and see what the answer is that he gives her.
1: Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, Yes, come in. I'm just just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlyle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, Still being very alive in a box. Yes. Yes, that's me. Should I lay down? Oh no, no, no. We don't. We don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat and, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and and then absolutely nothing after that. How does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that. That our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <And> go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't... Go through tunnels, or be in an elevator, or in a house—anything boxy. So, what what you're saying is you're uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Caswell. I'm uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're here, here, there. Stop it! I'm sorry. Stop it. Stop it. Yes. S T O P. New word. So, what are you saying? (laughs) You know, it's funny. I I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds, sounds frightening <laughs> yes then stop it I can't I mean it's been with me no, since no, no 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 we, we, we don't go there just just stop so I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box you got it good go. well it's only been it's only been three minutes so that will be um, uh, three dollars I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't I don't make change. <laughs> then I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> <sighs> uh I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! Not <laughs> of some kind? Don't don't do that. But I I'm, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No, fatty. No, 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 no. We de- we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say. We definitely don't go there. Just, just stop it. But what? What else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, then, stop it! Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is. I I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't don't uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! <laughs> I mean, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you you kook. Stop it! You'll stop it! You'll stop it! What's what's the problem, Kevin? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that? No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me, uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I, I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you, want, you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? All mm-hmm. right, here are the ten words Stop it, or I'll bury you alive in a box!
0: So if anyone comes looking for advice, something they need help with, a bit of pastoral care, something they're worried about, you know what to say now, don't you? Stop it! Seriously, I imagine none of you would be very happy if you opened up to someone and you began to share your heart with them, what it was you were struggling with, the things you were worried about, looking for some encouragement, looking for some care, and um, that was the answer you got, just those two words. Stop it! Stop it! You know, none of us worry about things by choice, do we? You know, the insecurities that play on our minds, the things that make us feel anxious aren't things that we worry about by choice, so simply saying stop it isn't very helpful. You know, we can't just flip a switch and stop worrying, and if we could, then I imagine most of us would have done it by now. Yet here's the thing, when Jesus talks about worry, he actually has a pretty similar response. He doesn't have it down to just two words, but he does manage to get it down to three. He simply says, do not worry. That's not that different from just saying, stop it, is it? And you might sit there this morning and think, I know worry doesn't do me any good. I I know it doesn't help anything. I, I know it can't change the situation, but I feel out of control. I feel insecure and I, I, I don't know how I'm gonna make ends meet. I, I don't know how I, I'm gonna have enough when I retire. I don't know, I don't know if, if I'm gonna manage to find a job. I don't know if my, my, my child is, is ever gonna come back home again. I, I don't know if my marriage is going to make it. I don't know if I can trust my body to stay healthy anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And in the midst of the uncertainty over all these things that are out of my control, how can I not worry? It's a big question, isn't it? And the great thing is that thankfully Jesus goes beyond simply saying, stop it. Do not worry. And he gives us an antidote to worry, an alternative to worrying. And we're going to be looking at what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6. And this is how he kicks off talking about worry in verse 25. It should pop up behind me. This is what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's a pretty much a big catch-all, isn't it? What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, Jesus immediately goes to the heart of what worry is about worry is about later worry is about what you will eat or drink what you will wear it's about the future really you can make it broader than I think and say that worry is about anything which is uncertain the future is uncertain but so can so many other things be and Jesus chooses to talk about what we eat and drink and wear because these are the things, these were the primary concerns of the people that he was talking to in the first century. These are the things that they worried about. This is what it was normal for them to be, have playing on their mind for, for them to be worrying about. You know, and I imagine that for, for most of you, you probably don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, apart from maybe choosing an outfit when you're going out for an evening for you ladies. You know, most of us actually have regular clears, clear outs of the clothes that we have because we just have too many. You know, if Jesus was addressing us, he would talk about the things which worry us in life. Maybe he would have said something more like, don't worry about if you're all set up for your retirement. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your son or daughter who's, who's gone off the rails. Whatever it is that plays on your mind, whatever it is that keeps you up at night, don't worry. And it's not that these things aren't important. It's not that these things, uh, we, we, we should stop caring about them. Jesus' point is that even though these things are important, even though these things are uncertain and they're out of our control, when it, it comes to some of these things that we worry about, actually things might not work out the way that we want them to. But in spite of all of that, we still don't need to worry. Jesus is saying, do not worry because there is an alternative. There is a way to face the uncertainties of life and not worry about them. And Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they Now, again, Jesus is addressing the people in the first century and he's talking about the things that they would relate to, the way that they worked and and the agriculture that he was around. And and he's probably outside and as he's talking, some birds fly overhead and he just kind of looks up and points at them and uses them to to get his point across. You know, and, And if he was here today, he might say, you know, look at the birds out of the air. They don't go to university and study and get great qualifications. They don't pressurize themselves and work long hours in the office. They don't store up a pension pot for their retirement. The birds of the air don't even really try. They just do what comes naturally to them. They don't have plans or a budget or any of the responsible things that you do. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they Do you not know that God cares for you more than he cares for a bird? That you are made in his image and are of great value to him. That God loves you enormously. Do you know that? That you are of incredible value. Jesus is saying, look, I'm telling you, you can face uncertainty in your relationships and uncertainty in your future and not worry. I'm telling you why you can not know if you're going to get another job and not worry. I'm telling you why if you're single and you don't know if you're ever going to be married, you don't need to worry. Jesus is saying, I understand the uncertainties you face, but I'm telling you why you can know those uncertainties and still not worry. And his point isn't that we can just be irresponsible and do whatever we like and stop caring because it'll all just work out in the end. Now his point is that he's inviting us to trust him. He's inviting us into a trust relationship with our heavenly father. In other words, Jesus is saying there's nothing wrong with reaping and sowing and, and storing away in barns and not bad things to be doing. You know, I want you to fill out the application forms for the job. I I want you to, to work hard. I want you to do your best and to do everything that you can do. You've got an advantage over the birds in that you can do all of these different things. But once you've done that, once you've done all that you can do in the now, I want you to sit back and take a deep breath. And rest. Rest in the truth that God loves you more than he loves the birds. Take a deep breath and rest in the truth that you don't have to worry about tomorrow because you have a loving Heavenly Father who is actively taking care of you because you are of great value to Him. And if you're sat there thinking that all sounds a bit too simplistic, sounds good but I just don't see it, If internally you're arguing with Jesus and justifying why you have every reason to be worried about your particular situation, because you just don't understand what's going on in my life and what it is that I'm facing, then Jesus throws a question at you, and it's one that really we all know the answer to. He asks this, he says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And we all know the answer to that, don't we? We all know that really worrying about things and being anxious about things doesn't help anything. And I think Jesus probably realized that people would struggle with what he was saying. They would struggle to to let go of the things that they worry about and that play on their minds. And so he wanted to remind them how pointless it is to worry. So that they'd come back and actually reconsider what it was that he was saying rather than just dismiss it out of hand. If worry isn't going to get you anywhere, why don't you stop for a moment and look at the birds of the air and realize that God loves you more than he loves the birds? And because God loves you and cares for you and if you've w- done the work that you can do, you've filled out the application forms, you've, you've, you've done your, the phone calls you needed to do, you've prepped for the meeting, you've done all the different things that you can do in the here and now, you've sown, you've reaped, you've, you've stored away in barns, then you can trust God for tomorrow. You can trust God for the things you don't have control over, for the areas of your life where you feel insecure and anxious. You don't need to worry and so Jesus says stop it do not worry and it's not because you know what's going to happen it's not because you know everything is going to work out how you want it to it's not because the uncertainty has been taken away you don't need to worry because you can trust the one who actually can do something about it Jesus is saying both when he talks about the birds and then afterwards when he talks about the flowers. And he's saying if God has done what God has done for, for in nature, caring for birds and caring for flowers, are you not more valuable than they are? If God really loves us and cares for us, can we not trust that God has our future in mind? Can we not trust God with all of our uncertainties? And Jesus finishes talking about these examples with some, some words which hit home. And it's a little statement at the end of verse 30 where he says this. He says, you have little faith. It's probably not a statement that makes you feel very great on its own, is it? But When Jesus said this, I think he said it in such a way that actually made everybody chuckle. You see, Matthew wanted to try and capture what Jesus said. And so when he wrote this little phrase, he combined two Greek words that aren't combined anywhere else in the New Testament. In fact, they're two Greek words that aren't combined anywhere else in all of the Greek literature that we know of. And he did this because he wanted to try and capture what Jesus said. And because it caused such a reaction in people, and it got the point across so well while making people chuckle. So if you take this phrase, you of little faith... And try to look at it the way that Jesus meant it. I think Jesus was maybe trying to communicate something a little bit more like this. We go on to the next one. You little faith as you. You little faith as you. And the crowd laughed because he was poking fun at them. He's saying, look at how big God is. Look at the way that he cares for the things in nature. Think about how important and how valuable you are to him. Think about how powerful he is and why would you worry, you little faith as you? Look at how well he takes care of nature. Why would you not trust that he will take care of you too? And here's what Jesus' alternative to worry really boils down to. It's faith. It's trust. It's confidence in God. And Jesus says, you little faith as you. The reason that you worry is because you don't really wake up every day trusting that God has your future and all of your uncertainties in hand. And He says, It's okay. You don't need to worry. Your Heavenly Father's got you, you're in His hands. You don't need to drag tomorrow's concerns into today because your heavenly father has got everything that you need for today. And he's got everything that you need for tomorrow. But when you try and merge the two, you're just going to end up worrying. Has anyone been there? I know I've been there. And then Jesus says this in verses 31 to 32. He says, So do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? So he's basically saying, all the worries that are normal in life, don't worry about them. For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Jesus is saying, look, you guys believe there is a God who loves you. And he cares for you. Well, the pagans, the people who who don't believe in God, they're all stressed out and they're worried and they're chasing after these things they're stressed out and they're worried about their finances and about their future and about their health and about their family. You all have the same needs. You're all facing the same challenges and the same problems. And when you worry about them, you're acting just the same way that they do. But as you learn to trust God, you've got an incredible opportunity. An incredible opportunity to shine. An incredible opportunity to do things differently. And then as you, as you bump into them and as you share your story with them and your response is so different and they'll be amazed. And they'll look at you and they will say, Wow, how, how are you coping? How is it that you don't seem to be worried? How is it that it's not keeping you up at night and not making you stressed? Are, aren't you afraid? Why don't you seem to be as worried as I am? And the reason that you can respond in that kind of a way is because your Heavenly Father, Jesus says, knows what you need. He knows everything that you are facing. And let's just pause there for a moment. It's an easy statement to make and it's an easy statement to accept, but I think it's a massive statement. Now, if you were absolutely confident not just theoretically in your head that this is a, a, a truth that you agree with, but deep down in your heart. That your Heavenly Father not only loves you, but He knows what you need. Wouldn't it make all the difference? Now imagine for a second that tonight you're going to bed. Uh, and you, as we all do often when we go to bed, you start processing things and you're thinking through your day and then you're thinking about tomorrow and the day after that and what's coming. And, and, and as you do, you remember there's this bill that needs to be paid or this meeting that's coming up or a hospital appointment or a court date or whatever it is and you just start to worry. And then you hear God whisper, I know. I know. I know. Wouldn't that make all the difference in that moment? That God not only knows that you exist, He not only only loves you, but He knows what you need in that moment. And even if nothing changes practically, just the fact that God knows what you need, He knows that it's important to you, and He cares for you, and He loves you makes all the difference that's the truth of how God wants to be involved in your life and if that truth begins to sink deep into your heart do you know what will start to happen to your stress levels and your anxiety levels they'll decrease because you won't need to worry anymore And then Jesus finishes with an incredible promise that we can all come back to in those times when we find ourselves starting to worry. He's just explaining how we don't need to worry because our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And then he goes on saying instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, you've been worried about these things because they're what's most important to you. They're what you are mentally and emotionally seeking after and chasing after. They're the things that you care about most. And so the solution isn't to try to just stop worrying. The solution is to start to chase after and seek first something else. To seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. So that when you pray, it becomes something more like this. God... You know how bad I need this. You know how, how bad we need to sell our house. You, you know how bad I need to get this job. You know how, how much I long to see my child come home. And I don't know what else to do. It's out of my control. And my temptation is to start to worry about it. But God, I've decided that you come first. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Before mine. Your kingdom first, my business second. I surrender it all to you. Because I know that you know what I need. I know that you know what I want. I know that you love me and you care for me. And that you are the one who has all power and authority to do something about it. So at the end of the day, I trust you. And I want your will to be done in my life. And as I seek you first, I trust that you're going to take care of everything else. Such a different way to pray, isn't it? And so really when you boil everything that Jesus is saying down to one simple thing, the antidote to worry is trust. The alternative to worry is trust. Elsewhere, Jesus says in John 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Essentially, do not worry. You believe in God, believe also in me. Essentially, trust me. And the reality is that we will all continually, through life, face situations that are uncertain. It's going to happen. I'm sorry. You're going to face things that are out of your control. You're going to face things uh, that that are... uh, are just are so important to you, and yet you can do nothing about them, things that you care about, and when you do, you really just have two options: you can choose to worry or you can choose to trust and it 's not about having all of the answers and knowing with a certainty what 's going to happen and knowing what god 's going to do. we don 't stop worrying because we can suddenly be, be certain about our circumstances. We stop worrying because we start to grow in faith and grow in trust in a person and how well we know them and who they are because we know who God is and that he loves us and he cares for us and we can have a confidence in him. The thing is that just as we can't flip a switch and stop worrying, do you know what? We can't flip a switch and start trusting either. It doesn't work like that, does it? It would be nice if it did. Trust takes time to grow. You know, as we get to know God better, as we learn his character, as we experience his love, faith grows and trust grows. So I want to finish this morning by encouraging you to do a couple of simple, practical things to start, to take time to, to help you to start to grow in trust. To combat worry as you get to know God better as we learn his character, as we experience him at work in our lives. And they're simple things. But I think it's good to be reminded of them and be encouraged in them. So number one, I want to encourage you to begin your day in prayer. Begin your day with God. Commit the things that are troubling you and are outside of your control and uncertain to the one who is in complete control and holds the future in his hands. Spend time in prayer thanking God and praising Him. And God's promise is that as we do that, as we seek Him first, as we put Him first, He'll take care of everything else. And we'll receive His incredible peace. And the reason I I encourage you to start your day that way and to make it in the morning, and I know we're not all morning people, but to, to in some way take some time, however short it is, to start your day this way is because here's the thing. If you can get ahead of worry, you can usually stay ahead of worry. If you begin your day on your knees declaring, God, I trust you. I trust in you for my forgiveness. I trust in you for my provision and for my protection. I trust in you. I've got this appointment which is coming up later and I trust you with that. I've got this meeting which is coming up tomorrow and, and I trust you with that. And as you begin your day in prayer declaring your trust in God, what happens is that faith grows. It grows inside of you and worry is pushed out. It's pushed out of the picture. And if you can get ahead of worry, you can usually stay ahead of worry. So number one, begin your day in prayer and declaring your trust in God. And Paul writes it in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ Jesus. So number two, begin your day by reading God's word. Begin your day by reading the Bible. Take time to get to know the person that you're meant to be putting your trust in. Because if you don't know him, you're not going to trust him. And as you get to know him, faith will grow. And if you're not sure where to begin, then tomorrow morning, get up, find a quiet place, get out your Bible. And if you don't have your Bible, we'd love to give you one. And just read through the passage that we've gone through today Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. And you know what? I think you should read it out loud. Because speaking out those words, declaring them and hearing these words is going to help your faith to grow. And bring you to a place where you grow in trust in God. And you might think that speaking out loud, uh, speaking the Bible out loud and reading out loud is really awkward. And um, it's definitely going to slow me down. It's going to take twice as long to get through the passage that I want to get through that day. But you know what? I encourage you to give it a try. At least for a few days. Particularly with passages that you are wanting to sink into your heart. And to really get a hold of. Because it makes such a difference. So number one, begin your day in prayer and by declaring you're trusting God. And number two, begin your day by reading the Bible and getting to know this God that you're trusting. That's all I want to encourage you to do. But I guarantee you, as you do that, it will make such a difference. Right now we're going to come to a time of communion and this is a brilliant time for us to remember why we can trust God, to realise afresh how valuable we are to God and how much he loves us. As we come to communion, we remember that God knew our greatest need and he loved us so much that he wanted to do something about it. He knows what we need and he takes action in his love to do something about it. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place so that we could be forgiven. So that we could be set free. So that we could have a fresh start and a relationship with him. And discover life to the full and begin to live free. Free from worry and free to be fully the people that he made us to be. And as you come to communion today, I want to encourage us to do things a little bit differently. What I want you to do is to to take the bread and to take the juice and to take it back to your seat and to to get into a little group of a two or a three. And then use this not only as a time to thank Jesus for his sacrifice and for for how God knew your need and he acted in love to meet that need through Jesus' sacrifice. But to share with one another how God in his love has been continuously reaching into your life. Knowing your need and reaching into your life to do something about it. How he's been there for you when when times have been hard, when you've been worried. How he's given you peace. And thank him for it and share stories of it. Stir one another up to know who this God is that you can trust. And then if there are things in your life that you are worried about, this is a great chance for you to bring them to God. As you come to him, as you thank him for his sacrifice, for his love. To bring these things that you're worried about. And to say, God, I know, I know you know my need, but I want to bring it to you, and I want to hand it over to you, and I want to lay it down before you, and say, God, I entrust this to you. And maybe share that with one another, and have a chance to pray for one another over what it is that, that you want to give to God. Now, it might all sound a little bit too intense for some of you, and that's okay. A band are going to come up and they're going to be playing. And you can sing along or you can just sit and spend time with God and listen. But I want to encourage you to get involved. Because this is a great chance to begin to put into practice what we've been talking about. And to say to God, from this morning on, I want to seek you first. I want to trust in you. Does that sound okay? If the band want to come up, that would be great. and I'll lead us into communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body, broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it, in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, today as as we come to remember you, as we remember your sacrifice, as we remember your love in action, we want to thank you and we want to rejoice and we want to praise you. We want to thank you, Lord, that, that you know our greatest need. And that because you knew our greatest need, you took action in your love to do something about it. I want to thank you that even though that cost you everything, your love for us was great enough that you were still willing to pay the price. And God, I pray that as we come to you this morning, that you would begin to work in the hearts and lives of each and every person here. As we come and we share in communion, as we remember what it is that you've done for us, that something fresh of your incredible love for us would hit home. Something fresh of how valuable we are to you would hit home. Something fresh of the fact that you know what we need. You know the things we're facing in life, the things that we worry about would hit home and that you would begin to stir our hearts in trust stir our hearts in faith stir our hearts in thankfulness that you are with us that you can